Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. Welcome to the show everybody and a very special welcome to uh, our guest Jordan. Welcome back Jordan. Hello, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> Jordan from the Shund Experience. Um, great to, to see you again. Uh, we said we wanted to get you back, so this was a great opportunity. We did a little poll of our patrons and said, you know, what what would you like us to talk about? And um, we got actually quite a few suggestions, and one of those was all around the subject of atheism. Um, and also one of the things, it's Kate, uh, one of our lovely patrons, and she said, interested in... Um, whether it's a Western thing, because, you know, that is a sort of accusation, I guess, that is, is put towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to talk a bit about that, I think. And um, we're, we're going to muse over it. None of us are um, historians um, or, you know, professional um, atheists, if there is such a thing. Um, but I think we all have a um, have a similar sort of non-belief stance. So um, we're coming from that angle our listeners may may also share that or may not but that's absolutely cool that's kind of where we're we're coming from on this conversation anyway mm-hmm. uh, so where do you think we should start um i suppose uh, i don't want to spend long on this question because it's again it's one of these i find quite dull questions about how do you define atheism but i guess we just need to know what we're talking about so mm-hmm. how are we going to define it in our conversation mm. I would say, like you said, it's a sort of a non-belief structure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, uh, in my personal opinion, one of the most unfair accusations atheism gets is it's compared to a belief structure. Mm-hmm. It's just another another religion. Yeah. Uh, but if, if people sort of understood the true definition of the word atheism, then you'd understand it's a lack of belief in anything celestial or spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more evidence-based. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that, you know, the true definition of the term atheist doesn't deny the existence um, of a celestial being. I mean, there's thousands of those in, in existence today. But I would say it's it comes more from the, the standpoint that it's just, A, there's not enough evidence to suggest that there is one. Mm-hmm. But more importantly... Um, we don't deny the existence of a celestial being. There's just no reason to think that there is one. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we're all born into this world, not necessarily atheists, but we're born with open minds. And I mm. think our upbringings and our, you know, the, our sort of cultures and our parents instill in us ideas. But we have to be converted to something. So when you do become an atheist, 
sort of I've always said my definition is that the burden of proof lies with the believer mm-hmm. yeah what do you think Celine? um I suppose with with me I've probably spent less time thinking about it than you guys because I mm. got the privilege of not having a belief forced upon me mm. um mm. but I suppose I remember using the term like when I was in primary school because I, I guess it was something that we talked about vaguely in the house because obviously there was a being there was a belief system change happening in the house right um mm, that's right. but I would use the term agnostic for a long time rather than Mm. atheist um but i think as you got more comfortable with the term atheist so did i but without thinking about it for you it was Mm. probably like an actual thought process and for me it's like a kid sort of just being like yeah sort of being like well not not too bothered but i guess yeah Mm. being being less the less i had to reason to believe in a god the more i felt toward pulled towards atheism rather than agnosticism yeah, I mean, I think it's um, again. I don't want to sort of waste too much time on the on the definition, but um, I mean, that, uh, I don't know. Last year, sometime there was a a bit of a hubbub about um, uh, the definition, and there was uh, in, in the the group what is sort of called the atheist community. You know, of course, there is no such a thing, um, but the there was an argument about you know this strong atheism versus what you've described, Jordan, is a um a stance that says you know the burden of proof is is with you if you claim there's a god atheism is just saying without god essentially that you know mm. i don't i, I don't uh, believe there's a god but that doesn't mean i believe there definitely isn't one and i think mm. that's that's how i also have um uh, that's how i see atheism um there may or may not be other versions of that um and i kind of don't care that much um I know what I think. Um, mm. I mean, when I say atheism, and it is pretty much what you've described, Jordan. So, I think um, it's also just sorry to butt in. Yeah, no, go on. Um, important to sort of be open-minded in terms of separating the. the there's two arguments, or say I, I can't really call them arguments, but I think there's two sides to this debate. Mm. It's important to differentiate between gods an intelligent design or design mm. or cause and effect. So, you know, me, myself personally, there's what, nearly 4,000 gods in existence. I refute yep. that there is one of those in existence, but that's from a religious slash non-religious debate. If you look at it from another perspective, you can't then turn around and say that there isn't something that's caused life to exist I just don't think it's come from the gods that society or humans have created throughout human history. So I think you know, to be open-minded and get a true definition of the word, mm. it's uh, important to look at all angles and all sides of the arguments. Yeah, that's right. And I, I feel quite um, strongly that, um, yeah, having an open mind is, is important. Um, and yeah, I'm willing to engage with anybody really who has a, who, ha- who mm. has a belief. I don't think they're stupid for having a belief. Mm. Um like you and I, Jordan, we spent the first formative years strongly having that belief, and I don't think I was stupid. Um, so I think, yeah, that's absolutely absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things about um, uh, about the history of atheism, if we think about that, we could ask the question: so when when does atheism begin? You know, um, 
is that the natural state of mankind and does religion impose itself over the top of that or have we always believed in gods as long as civilization's been around um and is atheism a relatively new idea what's your thoughts about that well i would definitely say that the claim that atheism is is modern and western Mm. is completely nonsensical Mm. um you know the term atheist or atheos which is the greek word Mm. um goes back to i believe to quote me if i'm wrong around the fifth century um i could be wrong but around that sort of time so atheism or the idea of it yeah um has ancient beginnings Mm. so it's it's to say it's distinctively modern and western is nonsensical um and obviously we see today in existence and throughout human history you know a variety of cultures attribute our existence to a god or a deity um but the idea of skepticism um the idea that that divinity and things like that exist atheism's been around for for quite a long time um and, and when i was awakening from being a jehovah's witness i sort of like to evaluate all sides of the argument and when i looked into atheism i did some research on the history of it and where it came from and how long it's been around and i was surprised that it has ancient beginnings because i just thought it was part of sort of the 18th 19th century where the scientific revolution had a big movement um that comes into play later on but um sort of one of my favorite atheists um is diogenes the cynic ah yes and I remember researching him, uh, and there was a story, I wrote it down here, cool. where he wanders down to the sea, and he was looking out over the sea, and there was lots of dedications to gods where people um, attributed thanks to their god because they survived shipwreck. And uh, Diogenes the cynic replied, Um, because someone had come up to him and said, how amazing is this? You know, our God has saved us from shipwreck. Mm. And then he said, yes, and wouldn't it be even more amazing if we had the dedications of all the people God's decided to let drown? Mm. You know, so that idea of not believing in a a deity has been around for for quite a long time. And it's interesting how modern that that argument is, isn't it? I mean, that that is still... A really powerful argument yeah. today isn't it if there is yeah. a god why does he let mm. people suffer is the first thing exactly. that a lot of people will say for obvious reasons yeah you know a, a whole town gets leveled or something and there's one building that's left standing and mm. it's a miracle you know well uh what about the rest of the buildings you know <laughs> it's um it, it, yeah it's very strange we and that's essentially what what he's saying there yeah yeah mm. mm-hmm. another i liked as well was um, Epicurus, who kind of, I mean, I adopt this the view that there is no soul, mm. um, no divinity, and there's nothing after death. So obviously he really appreciated life, friendship, and, and sort of earth coming, um, life coming to existence through matter uh, mm. and, uh, and things like that. So combining those two, they obviously they're ancient figures. So the concept uh, of atheism, uh, you can clearly see just by these two characters alone and there's there's lots more that uh, the idea of it has been around for quite a long time 
Absolutely. There's um, there's a few references that I'll put on the show notes that I, when I was doing my research for this episode, that I found really interesting. There's a a little clip of a BBC documentary. It's it's quite old, but it's um, it's 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 still fairly uh, modern. Um, and um, it's called the First Atheists. Um, and they talk about uh, the Elgin Marbles. In fact, he's actually the presenter is actually in the British Museum with the Elgin Marbles. Um, we won't get into any, um, you know, political um, angst about whether they should be in London or Greece. But um, anyway, that's where they are. Um, and these are depictions of Greek characters and Greek gods and so on. And um, what, what's interesting is is how um, that that at the time that they were made, there was a lot of discussion around things like, you know, what actually gods were and where, where the soul was and so on. So you talked about Epicurus there. Um, He was a follower of Democritus um, who sort of, I suppose he was the one who really forwarded this idea of atoms. Everything was basically reducible to these, these simple atoms and that's where the soul existed um and where consciousness essentially was which was essentially the soul so um yeah it, you're right it's um, i mean that's two two thousand three hundred years ago so it, it's not a modern phen- phenomena um absolutely and and yeah you can you can see the development of uh, of these ideas actually throughout history there's a there's a few other references i'll mention now and then i'll put them in the the notes uh, there's a book that I bought called Battling the Gods, Atheism in the Ancient World by Tim Whitmarsh. Um, he's quite an interesting guy and he talks about um, atheistic ideas going back many, many years before the Enlightenment. Because there is this story, isn't there? There is this idea that it was all the Enlightenment. That's when atheism sort of began, but he he refutes that. So that's worth having a read. And there's also a um there's a professor that has a number of uh lectures both on youtube and and on a on a website um who's who's definitely worth listening it's very very interesting alex ryrie from gresham college who has a series of lectures that absolutely fascinating so Mm. atheism in medieval europe atheism or the the idea of of how atheism grew from protestantism the reformation definitely worth checking those out which is interesting you mentioned him because I think I think it's him. I've watched uh, at least one or two of them, mm. um, and he sort of quotes uh, Charles Taylor, um, who said, and I wrote it down here, he said, why was it virtually impossible not to believe in God, say, in 1500s in Western society, while in 2000 mm. many of us find this not only easy but even inescapable? Yeah. Which I think is quite an interesting question. And then um, I'm terrible at pronouncing this guy's surname, but I think it's Friedrich Nietzsche's. He claimed in 1882, God is dead. Mm. God remains dead. And we have killed him. So I think that's, um, I would I would say that's Nietzsche. Nietzsche, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible yeah. at pronouncing the surname. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The God is dead quote. I suppose we can can talk about both those sort of things you've said there but like as two sort of separates yeah why can yeah why why do seemingly people question more further in the past and then become less questioning um 
as you get to like 1500s, I think there's a lot of church control in the West at that point. Um, I, w- I would say, I mean, because um, a long time ago now, the last time I did about this sort of stuff, but when I was doing history, sort of GCSE and A-level and stuff, um, basically it always went back to like when we when we found um, pauses in like medical development, it was often like, and then the church said we weren't allowed to dig mm. up um, or to like or do autopsies or it sort of suited church doctrine to uh, refer to sort of Galius saying there must be a God as he was a medical sort of person. So like, oh, we'll, we'll go with this. Um, so I guess that you've got higher control levels of control mm. at this point. There's, there's, um, it, it's, it's no longer sort of, I guess as much individualized as um, to more controlled, um, not to say it wasn't at all controlled because it still, there was still beliefs that were, culturally held um but it it does start to take on a more structured format when, you know when people say they don't like re- they don't like structured religion but they yeah. like their yeah. own religious practice well, that kind of sentiment sentiment yeah one of the thing that wish Whit, Whit marsh talks about in his book is that um if you go back to ancient greek um or ancient greece the, the fact that there, there was these many gods and and it wasn't um it wasn't or like you described it wasn't a structured um set of beliefs where there was like a central place that decided what the doctrines were and so on and each city would have its own set of mm-hmm. gods and you know they'd perhaps be very like the next city but they'd have perhaps different names or even different countries ones and that they kind of adopted would... and yeah, ones they would have more, you know, if they were a coastal city, they might yeah, be exactly. more devoted to, you know, a, a, a god of that sort of thing than a than a god of harvest. If you're working in fields and such, it was quite situational yeah. in that sense. And so in a way, the pressure was off a little bit to, um, you know, you didn't have to believe. I mean, you, you may believe in a very sort of um, airy fairy way that other gods existed but it didn't really make any difference to your life you had your gods and these were the ones that that you um, mm-hmm. did whatever ceremonies there were too um, and so in a way the pressure was a lot less to conform when as soon as you get one god as soon as you got um, a, a monotheistic setup Mm. then yeah you know you you have priests and you also have a text Mm -hmm. which they didn't have in ancient greece so now you've got a text or a set of texts and you've got um the gatekeepers of those texts because to remember they couldn't speak not everyone could read (laughs) uh, literacy was also Mm -hmm. an issue so yeah i think that's quite interesting that there was a lot more um not to say that atheism was always welcomed but um atheism might have being a slightly different thing back in those days you mentioned the greek word atheos there jordan earlier um mm. and from what what they were saying was it might have meant something slightly different it was more about being sort of godless or mm. not um you know not believing in or not acting in a godly way so even then you know these words these words change mm. i think yeah i think as, as sort of society and, and you know human existence has advanced i think mm. the there's more connotations to the word atheism now than there was mm. when the the word was first sort of in the Greek format. Mm. Um, but like Celine said, I think when you examine um, who was a you know sort of the central part of control in society throughout history, especially during you know in, in Europe, yeah, um, and and the Bible was was interpreted and read for the masses by priests, so they couldn't read the Bible themselves. 
when the Bible was, in my opinion, more readily available in in the uh, in the written language where people could understand, and it came out of Latin and it came into their local tongues, I think that alone played a big part mm. in not. I don't really think it's a movement atheism, but I think it it sort of had more effect on people to actually when they could read the Bible and see the hypocrisy in the churches to think actually. I don't want to be associated with this, whether just because it's to do with the ethics and the hypocrisy or they look at it a deeper, a deeper meaning and go, is this really, you know, the true existence for our, for our being on this planet? So I think, yeah, it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't think you can attribute atheism and how widely popular it is now to just Western society. Uh, I think it's gone back further, but I think yeah, it had it's had slower progression because I think in the 18th and 19th century, with the Enlightenment and the scientific revolution, I think it's just sped things up personally. When the printing press was, you know, that was really important in the distribution of information and mm. um, being able to write, read the Bible. So obviously, people start to be able to have it printed in, um, you know, their their own language mm. rather than Latin. Um, yeah, there's a whole. Well, people, the church wasn't super hype about it. <laughs> they mm, weren't loving no, the printing press because, yeah, it was the, um, yeah, dissemination of the Bible, and you could read it plainly without it being structured in segments. Um, you know, in in a in, in in a sermon, it was being, it's plain in there to see as you would like to. Um, I think the argument was kind of like, oh, people might misunderstand, and we read it in a way that they can understand, and mm. we, we produce it in a you know, in quotes for the people that can't see me in a digestible way. Um, obviously, we, we with more uh, cynicism can s- sort of see that as we do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think that, that probably brings us on to the link between atheism or the possible link between atheism as we know it and um, and the Reformation. The, the um, Again, going back to the lectures that, that I mentioned, um, it, it's quite interesting that the... the as because um, I think uh, the printing press and the distribution of Bibles was uh, is very much associated with with the Reformation. Um, as you said, up to that point, it was all in Latin, and the priests were the the people firmly in charge. Um, and then part of the the movement, the Reformation, was to to print Bibles and and allow people to to actually have access to to the Bible. And the emphasis then was much more on reading the bible interpreting the bible um understanding it and understanding scripture whereas before it had been religion was about you know um piety and just essentially following the edicts of the church Um, and that actually brings a different mindset doesn't it if you think about it you know if i'm somebody who is now either able to read the bible or at least listening to people who can read the bible digest it talk about it say this scripture doesn't mean this or this means that that sounds a lot more similar to the way the way that a rational analysis of the bible would be um Mm. clearly it's still saying that the bible is you know has this privileged position and therefore it's from god but it's it's moved on a step from just we accept whatever the catholic church tells us to to accept um, I don't know about you, Jordan, but um, that in a way, I th- I've all, I've thought about this in relation to Jehovah's Witnesses because, like me, you're you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness, and um, 
I think our upbringing was was very much in that tradition of reading the Bible, um, understanding it, obviously from the viewpoint that you were told you had to, but it was uh, at one level, it seemed like quite a studious type of way of worshipping God. Mm. as opposed to one that was all about rituals. Um, and I think that, for me, sowed the seeds that allowed me to get out. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think um, I think it's quite a, a common theme, just using the Jehovah's Witnesses as the example, and us two are prime examples of that. Mm. Like, the older you get, um, it's information is more readily available, even sort of now more than it is it ever has been um and then when you've got like you said one way of interpreting the bible um indoctrinated into you it's initially it's difficult to think to take a step back from that but then yeah like you said um i remember it hit me quite hard when i came out of the jehovah's witnesses because you've you've gone from having a, a set of beliefs thinking Humans have only been on the earth for 6,000 years. You think you're going to live forever. Jehovah is the true God. And then when that's abandoned um, and you've kind of just got to start all over again, you know, I didn't know what to believe five years ago. I I wasn't an atheist. I just didn't know what to believe. Um, So, yeah, going through that journey, yeah, I think it's quite a common theme amongst a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses who come out and deconstruct. I think that's right, but I think um, so. I think my my point is a f- sort of fairly nuanced one, but I think like if you look at um, some I don't know evangelical um, churches, and if you go to one of those churches, it's all about singing, it's about enjoying the 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 spectacle, and um, they might be speaking in tongues, they might have all these things that make you feel a certain way, and you go away buzzing, I'm sure. Um, but for, for Jehovah's Witnesses, um, I don't know what your meetings were like, Jordan, but, you know, there was none of that stuff. You were sat sat on a pretty uncomfortable chair with a Bible and the Watchtower or whatever publication mm. you were using. And it, it was almost like being at school. It was, you know, mm. now you're going to read this scripture. Of course, we're going to tell you how to interpret it. We're going to tell you what it means, but you need to understand it. And there's a lot of emphasis on, I forget the, it's so long ago now, but um, in one of Paul's letters, he talks about, uh, in the Bible, he talks about uh, one of these congregations being more righteous because they would check, they would check to make sure that the things I was saying were so. And the idea of that was, you know, we should be like those people. We should be checking, making sure that it's the right thing, it's true. And when, when we're knocking on doors, we were, we were claiming um, we were we were speaking the language of rational argumentation. We were saying, "Here's the evidence for God. Here's the evidence in the Bible. Here's the evidence in nature. Here's prophecy. Here's and so on. So these are all evidences of why you can believe in God and the Bible. That is the language of rational analysis. The problem with it is." it doesn't stand up to deep rational analysis. And that's where I think that mm. it's a really, it's a problematic way of approaching it. But as you look at the history of Protestants, 
Protestantism uh, and the Reformation, you realize that this is a common problem. It, well, it's not mm. just Jehovah's Witnesses. If you say, um, actually, we're going to, our beliefs are not based on faith alone. They are based on reasoning, on looking at evidence. Then that takes you down a road which ultimately you have to then start questioning everything. Hmm. And the Protestant church, you know, for uh, the example that um, the professor gives in his video is, um, is of the transubstantiation of the Catholic church doctrine. Um, so the idea that Jesus is, when you take the communion, you know, the, the wine literally turns into the blood of Christ and the, the the wafer literally becomes the body in your throat, essentially. Um, and Protestants would mock that as ridiculous. You know, where's the evidence for that? How can that be true? You know, Jesus' body would be well used up by now if, you know, all all Christians were doing that. So it was, it was an appeal to rational thought. Um, and that's very much the way that I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness. It's rational it's it's the truth because you can prove it um and then what you start the problem is that leads you down a road of saying all right okay well if i can prove it then what about this and what about mm. this and what about that but i think that mirrors the history of of christianity mm. yeah 100 percent is that um there's a name for it i can't remember the the snake that is like um like eating its own tail yes, in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like you can prove it with itself and then you question mm. that. So it's like it's all self-fulfilling and it's not, <clears throat> what is it with, um, We talk when we talk about the science episode, it has to be like you have to be able to, you know, use evidence or proofs that are outside of, you, mm. of, of, the, of the situation, right? You can't just prove yeah. something with your own internalized internal well, and... exactly if you say the by you know the bible is the word of god therefore that's the authority you can go to um then okay but if you've been trained to say well where's the evidence for this belief well it's the in the bible to prove the, the next bible, thing you you're going to ask is <laughs> exactly how do you know that the bible is is correct and that's mm-hmm. where you then start having discussions around you know the very meager passages in the bible that um certainly we used to point to that are prophetic you know this means this and this means that this was written mm. before this and this means that and, you know you, and it's very very tenuous and, and that not was very good you know that was sort probably my biggest criticism of the theistic mindset mm. it's i think it's one thing for people to claim that they believe that there's a god i have mm. respect for that yeah but what I don't have respect for is the people who tell me they know the will of their God. You know, you look at the Bible and you examine the context of it and you're telling me that God, know you know the will of God um, on, you know, my sexual partners, what I should do in my private time, what I should think about, what I should say, what I shouldn't say. Mm. You know, that's when as, as human history is is clearly um, or we can see in, clearly in human history that that's a dangerous mindset and that's where people's lives are controlled, people are manipulated, people have died. You know, think of the civilizations that have existed and no longer exist because of that kind of mindset. It's my God and my line of thoughts better than yours. So I have respect for people on an individual basis who just think they like to think that life 
um, has a meaning, a purpose and has a cause, mm. that's fine. But if you're going to then tell me how I should live my life and you know mm. all the interpretations of your book and where it comes from and essentially you have a direct communication with God, I, I you know, in a, a very respectful way, can't respect that. Mm. You know, that line of reason is a very dangerous mindset to be in, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, immediately when you're saying that, yeah, it makes me think of like things that were justified, like, um, you know, uh, going to going to America and being like, this is a, a God given right. It's, um, mm. you know, is it, it for us to do whatever we want to, including boot you? <laughs> so um, and, and, you know, we will you know set up places for you to become christian um instead so that's how you get that kind of situation does that i guess lead us on to the other part of this um that was asked about which was it is some people claiming that atheism is doing doing um the trying to convince other people or um you said there was that element of the question dad what you mean like a a, a westernized um yeah so the people used to obviously go on mission on missions. Yeah, okay. So it's different, but people would go on missions to try and convince mm. people of Christianity. Um, and now some people concerned. essentially there's like a ministry of atheism. Yes, people have have this sort of concern. It's not something that mm. I'd necessarily um, had on my mind, but it's something that's been brought up by yeah. um, by people to to us to consider. Mm. I don't know what you guys think about. Yeah, it's an interesting way of wording it. Like, yeah, a ministry of atheism. Do you think that exists? Um, is it is it a concern? To, to, I think to um, true atheism. No, I would say I can't say it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said at the outset of this podcast, it's about what you define. What you know, what are the parameters? What where you're defining atheism and what it entails? And for me personally, it's it's a non-belief structure. I don't. Um, sort of give a deity obeisance i don't worship something atheism or true atheism doesn't have a belief structure he doesn't have a list of morals on how you should be living your life all it simply is is we deny the claim that there is a god or sorry we don't deny that the claim there isn't a god we just don't think there's reason to believe there is one until otherwise like we said at the outset it's down to the 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 believer to then prove their, their claims but i can't say that like you said celine that people don't go out and try and convert people to atheism but then i would say that's to me that's not true atheism yeah i mean there's, having, there's... it's putting emphasis on a belief that there isn't rather than just being non-believing there's a a little bit of a pushback against the enlightenment as a you know as a as a good thing um so there's there's certain I suppose uh, ways of looking at the world that that says you know um, the Enlightenment um, stemmed from from European thinkers and then it it gave the energy to a lot of the empires that were then you know um, conquered a lot of a lot of the world and that's why a lot of indigenous people uh, disappeared and it's a very powerful. Um, way of thinking and of course science means that you you then have technology which is very powerful and so we have a a a world that is dominated by western thought in some respects um and sometimes people link atheism to that but i think that's that's quite a difficult um uh 
criticism in many respects because again you know there's lots of the west that are very religious still i mean uh, united states is still quite a, a very religious place really so yeah. it's not it's hard to say that atheism is kind of replacing people's beliefs that, that you know in in some way actually the, the opposite i think um i think there's a there's a form of aggressive atheism which i think stems from a feeling of uh and this is probably more in the states than it is in the uk that's in certain parts particularly of the of the states you know being an atheist is actually quite difficult and you're looked at as you're somebody really quite odd if you don't mm. believe in god and your morals are, are doubted because you know you can't be trusted if you don't believe in the lord um all those sorts of things and i think i think you know so i can understand why as an atheist you'd want to push back against that mm. um plus there's um the the argument that goes you know beliefs matter because beliefs lead to behavior and you know there's obviously a lot of bad behavior that is linked to religious beliefs and there always has been Mm -hmm. um so i think there's there's arguments there and so you do get some um some efforts to try to uh, convince people that there is no god or at least you know humanism atheism is the is the way to go um and I, so I think that's that's possibly where where some people might kick against that, you know. Mm. I mean, I I'm a um, a trained school speaker for Humanist UK, so I although I've only done it virtually because of the the virus, but um, a couple of years ago I started doing school visits to talk about humanism um, in their religious education classes. So they, 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 you know, they may have a Catholic priest come in, or they might have a a representative from from the local mosque uh, come in um, and so on and so it's a good idea to have somebody to talk about humanism so i think that's good i think that's really important to let children have um the, the wide range of understanding of, of belief and non-belief so i think that's really important to do that um so yeah I, I i think that's that's important i don't think we should be shoving atheism down people's throats you know i think if mm. people want to believe in a god then I don't see a problem with that. I think the point you made, Celine, is that um, it obviously it depends what you're going to do afterwards. You know what that mm. belief is and how that then starts to affect others. And Jordan, you talked about then you know determining what people can do and can't do, and that obviously is where it gets a problem. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, like people are entitled to believe whatever they like they can think what they they like you know i i wouldn't sort of not talk to someone if they believed in Mm. god i wouldn't not be friends with someone if they believed in god um but if you want to sit down and have a debate about it atheism is always open to debate and scrutiny Mm. um because we want to be proved wrong like the scientific method is always wanting to be proved wrong um i mean christopher hitchens said you know, the, the two difference or the separate mindsets of a, a theistic person to an atheistic person is if you could prove categorically that God exists, the atheist would believe in God. Mm. But if the atheist could do exactly the same, but in the, you know, the opposite stance to say, this is evidence to suggest 100% that God doesn't exist, then I still think people would still believe in their gods. Uh, mm. And that's just that's the difference in mindset religion has had on upon people like you and me, Stephen. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult to undo that. Um, but I don't 
yeah, I certainly don't believe in, in indoctrinating anybody in anything. I think you are free to learn about things uh, in a yeah. non-biased way and you come to your own conclusion. In my opinion, when you let people do that, I think we're seeing as a pattern that generally people are leaning more towards an, a non-belief in a God or deity. Because mm. mm. um, I think personally, if you eradicated all religious faiths throughout human history and did the same to scientific method, I don't think religion would reappear the way it has, but I think the scientific method would come back exactly how we have it today. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, that's... They talk about mindsets mm. and, and yeah. information and how mm. things are, are learned. That's just my opinion. You know. But yeah, that's, that, that's probably worth repeating because that's a really interesting um, sort of thought experiment, isn't it? You know, if, if let's say, if, I don't know, an asteroid... Uh, wiped out all of humanity um, and all of civilization and and uh, the clock went back you know basically to the beginning of, of civilization so that we'd forgotten our old ways of doing things um, Christianity the way that it is now formed you know unlikely that you'd have it mm. um, but yeah science very likely that you would come across science again because it is that it's that methodical um, observing, testing, looking for evidence, um, and that you know, I think that's the that's the philosophy, the mentality that that someone someone like me and you uh, and, and you, Celine, um, sort of have of of life, and that's how we see things. I mean, there, you know, there are arguments against that, of course, but that's that's how I would see it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I suppose the reason as well that I haven't considered um it's important to consider because like you said there are different sort of groups of sort of um atheism the reason i hadn't thought about it in terms of um sort of coming in and trying to change people's beliefs and such is because it's not um so much about a culture thing if you know what i mean um where you come in and and like yeah morals and culture and things like that um which i think plays a big part in why people wanted to bring sort of christianity to people because they think it's like a better way of living you know this argument of like living a better way and doing the right thing and things like this do you think that's what the missions were doing though well they often said that that, like moralistically it was Mm. the right moral way to live because Um, because that was what god's word said you know i think they they mm. thought it was the the moral thing because god told them it was Mm. they were doing god's work weren't they i don't think they were well, it's just, I mean, you can, you, you know, feel free to disagree with me, but I feel mm-hmm. like the message was, you know, we're not doing a sociological um, improvement here. We, we, we're here to teach you about God. And, um, and they would use all sorts of tricks like learning to read. And obviously as mm-hmm. they're learning to read, they're learning the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses still use that tactic today, <laughs> but that's mm-hmm. how missionaries um, would get you know locals to understand the Bible and the stories in the Bible because they teach them to read. Mm. Um, so, but it was all all because it was the will of God that Christianity was spread across all these new lands, um, which is why you know South I, America's yeah. all Catholic. You know, that's why yeah, would that yeah. be so? You know. I suppose I just mean in the sense that, you know, when people make the argument, even if it's not true, this is the best way to live. People yeah. do say that quite a lot. They do, um, they um, do now. Know. That's a modern, I think that's a modern way to think though, personally. 
I think back in the day. Well, that is a good question. What do you think, John? Yeah. Um, do you, I mean, that that is a question I wanted to ask actually a bit more generally was yeah. um, if we think about the history of religion, you know, there's lots of religions and lots of gods and uh, people. Uh, when we look at history, we see lots of things related to religious beliefs. But mm-hmm. how much do you think, we don't know, can't know the answer, but how much do you think people really did believe that these things were literally happening i i I doubt i have my doubts that's a very good question so you sort just to reiterate so how much do you think people generally bought into what they were being told even yeah so so they might they might do their um you know their sacrifice or they might do their ceremony every day and that was accepted that was part of the culture but Mm. how much did they actually believe that this god called Bail or whatever was actually um, helping them with their crops, or you know, did they really believe that, or did they actually know somewhere that that the best way to make sure your crops survived was to plant them in the right way and make sure they get watered or whatever it, it you know whatever they're doing. Um, that's what really matters. Um, and there's this other thing on top of it, which is a culture, which is a religion that kind of is a sop for just, you know, throwing over the top of life and trying to explain some of the the inexplicable bits of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, well, I'd like to give the majority of people the benefit of the doubt because us as homo sapiens, we're, you know, very intelligent mm. primates. Um, we've evolved extremely um, big brains so i'd yep. like to think people would question their idol the majority of people would think do you know is this really true yeah um but i think once people are in a mindset it's very difficult to come out of it because mm. the thing i think all religions have in common generally is they are not open to scrutiny they are not open to debate mm. um uh, and questions it's like us, Stephen, if we ever had a question for elders, are you, you know, what, how do you refute the claim that humans have been on the earth for 6,000 years? It's just a very basic question, yeah. which shouldn't really be a question anymore, but it still mm. is for Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, We'd come back, and if I asked my dad that question, you know, we talk about carbon dating and things like that, and then he'd go, well, that's not really reliable, and it's, it's, right. it's a vicious cycle. Mm. Um, so it's all about information control mm. so i think people would probably throughout history would want to question but whether you're allowed to that's a different ball game i yeah. think and that's obviously as societies progressed people are more open-minded um our brains i'd say it still have evolved as time's gone on science and technology has advanced um but yeah like we said at the outset of this discussion, there were people like us who thought outside the box because yeah, atheism right. isn't a new thing. That's right. Um, and again, going back to the uh, the Alex Ryrie um, lectures, he it's quite controversial in a way, and it's a very nuanced point. But he he likens to ancient atheists, get that right, um, to uh, modern day flat earthers. And so I was like, what's he on about? Um, but in the, in the sense that, um, if you were going to be an atheist back in that day, then you had to be kind of a very questioning, be very suspicious. Um, 
and uh, uh, yeah, exactly mm-hmm. that is essentially what you 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 know all these experts were telling you that you know god was this and god did that and all oh, there were mm-hmm. you know all these gods the, the whole pantheon of gods um and you had to be somebody who was you know willing to uh to sort of cut across all that but there mm-hmm. were such people i think <laughs> yeah i think you know what i was thinking about in terms of so straight strange tenuous link i suppose but like i'm doing doing my english degree i read you know greek and roman texts obviously translated um but they would often be tales of kind of um you know oh he didn't believe in the god or he didn't Mm. do his sacrifice and now he's being um got or yeah. yeah or just basically like um they're not in this they're not the gods of uh, greek greco-roman are not as um moralistic they're quite oh. like they're just like really powerful people um right. so they you know a woman w- would claim that she was the best at spinning so she gets t- um, turned even though there's a god that's very good at it so she gets turned into a spider that was spite and things like that yeah um so there are people I guess if you think about it, for these stories to be written and even if even if they are moralistic in the sense that it's like see don't question the gods or don't um go against the the culture because you'll be punished mm. if it, if they are stories in that sense or even you know what I mean to to our media our texts always represent kind of things at the time so the the stuff that we're having created now and the, the content we're making is representative of the fact we have these conversations. Mm. They're in, they're in general conversation. So I guess for the, for stories at the time to exist where people are questioning the gods, and even if in these stories the gods punish them, it shows that there were people questioning. I know that's a bit of a very long, sort of you've got to like <laughs> there's layers, but do you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, now it's, it's very interesting. Um, the the ancient greek gods um yeah you're right they were they were very much as you said they're very much like us really they they had all our very foibles, but just mm. had all the power um so yeah it wasn't until you get again this sort of monotheism that mm-hmm. that you then start to look to that god as being yeah. the um the, the one that gives you that gives you morals although yeah. i think even in the old testament the um hebrew scriptures the god of the of the hebrew scriptures is not a particularly moral god he's mm. a very um you know kind of unpredictable angry jealous all these qualities that we perhaps wouldn't say are particularly admirable um but and there are laws but the laws are pretty arbitrary you know you Mm -hmm. you can wear this but you can't wear that you can eat this but you can't eat that you know well yeah i mean because obviously the we're regardless of the the moral reason that the, the texts were written they are about people that didn't believe, and and a, so you can see that there were people at those times who didn't believe. Even if these stories are being spun to make others believe, mm. it shows you that there were people that didn't. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that and that's one of the the main ways that the historians identify, mm-hmm. um, you know, different belief systems is is by the criticism of of those who did hold those beliefs so that's how we know there were atheists back in those days because people were accused of being atheists Mm -hmm. you know so that's uh, that's one of the reasons we know that that Mm -hmm. there were people 
uh, like yeah, that. They're, they're generally not shown in a good light, but we can no, find them right. because of it. <laughs> because of that. Um, yeah. there's, um, we're coming to the end of our, of our hour. Um, I feel like there's so much more we can talk about. Probably we should... Um, get together again and perhaps um go off in a you know in a very specific direction but um there's a couple of things i I just i just wanted to mention because i just found them really interested in in my research and one was this uh this book that um and for me it shows that the idea of like i don't know hidden secret knowledge and um you know hidden scrolls and stuff is is very old it's not it's not it's not a modern thing with conspiracy theories you know it's it's been around a long time um there's a character called frederick ii who is an emperor of the holy roman empire and he is known as um well he he's accused of being an atheist and and it seems that he he was very much uh, a skeptic um but he talks about a book um called the three impostors and the three imposters is a book about Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad as being charlatans and deceivers. Mm. Um, and that the book is sort of telling you that you should accept truth um, by reason, not by the the statements of, of these three charlatans, which obviously is very controversial. Um, and this book was, uh, was talked about. It was like a, a book that was um, people were looking for this book. They were trying to find what it said, and um, and it it certainly never existed. The book actually was never written. It's just an idea that got hold, and people started to to think there was this sacrilegious book out there. Mm. Um, and I just think that's absolutely fascinating. There's all these tales around, you know, people have found it, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you can just think about all these conspiracy theories that we have today about you know, these secret knowledge and stuff. And I just thought that's really fascinating that mm. there was this this book that was going around or this idea about this book, which I thought, yeah, absolutely fascinating. I suppose it um, catches because people, there are people out there that were wondering and questioning, like you yeah. said, and they were like, oh, somebody else. like, Or you're like, like, oh, there's something that I could engage with here. Absolutely, yeah. And the other, the other thing, I mean, we talked a bit about some of the Greek... Um, characters like Democritus and um, Epicurus and so on. Um, Aristotle made this statement, which I think is really good. Um, He said that a tyrant must put on the appearance of uncommon devotion. Um, And basically he was making the point that if you, if you wanted to um, get people to do what you wanted them to, then being seen as a godly person was the thing you needed to do Uh, and Seneca said religion is regarded by the common people as true by the wise as false and by rulers as useful (laughs) and that is a really interesting little statement isn't it I think especially given what we said about Christianity's rise and control um yeah and and it's still being used today in the same way isn't it you think about you know, Trump and... and uh, himself, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, is a, there is no reason why Trump is interested in Christianity. He's never mm. shown a modicum of interest in it. Um, but, of course, it's it's useful, isn't it? To, it's a very large um, yeah. We're also base. still waiting for an atheist president as well. Indeed. <laughs> Just to say that, you know, it's, like, yeah. you know, it's one of the uh, criteria mm-hmm. to be president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You've got to be a, a person of faith. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's official, but it, it is in reality, isn't it? Politically, well, it I don't think it's in official writing, but no. I think it's widely mm. frowned upon if you're not absolutely um, behind closed doors. Like we yeah. said, like you said earlier, I think mm. you know over forty percent of Americans literally believe in Adam and Eve, and yeah, uh, and six thousand year old human history. It's like that's mm. a shocking figure. It is shocking, but it's also I'm like I'm not shocked at the same time. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there is an element, again, you know, going back to how much people, um, we have this ability to partition our thinking in some respects, I think, as human beings. So if you straight out ask somebody, you know, if you went back in time and you asked somebody, you know, do you believe in the gods? Of course, they would would say yes, but then they'd probably go and forget about it all. And I, I wonder whether some of that is in some of the data around religious belief. Uh, one of the things that the Humanist UK Society do every time we have a survey. So in the UK, we have a general survey where we all have to fill out a survey at a certain time. Um, I think it's done every sort of four or five years. And um, there was a big push for if you are a non-believer, then tick the box <laughs> to say that you are a non-believer. Because it's sometimes people just think well you know oh mum's catholic or my mum's a church of england so i'll just take that Mm. um so yeah although the data might say you know most people have a religion do they really you know um i mean so i I don't know whether you've seen it on on social media but there's this little little clip where he interviews different people saying um so there's this book that that is in schools and it's talking about um, there's these two girls and they get their dad drunk and they had sex with their dad so that mm-hmm. they could have so they could get pregnant. What do you think? Do you think that we should be having this book in schools? So and they're all going, they? no, no, of course not. No, no. Um, and then, of course, they say, well, that's, that's the Bible. And they're just, no, no, that's not the Bible. Yeah, yeah no, I saw that the <laughs> other day. It's just completely shocking, isn't it? And, it um, is. I, I tried the same tactic on my mum and dad, actually. Oh, yeah. You know, I would sort of describe parts of, you know, the um, Old Testament. And you can see the cogs going around in the head thinking, yeah, this person doesn't sound very nice. But as soon as you yeah. attribute the name Jehovah or God yeah. to it, mm. well, he must have had a good reason for it. That's right. Yeah. You know, so um, mm. I, I think an interesting point, just whilst I think of it, mm. when I became, I say when I became an atheist, I don't know if that's the right way of phrasing it, but... <laughs> Um, theistic people have got the tendency in them to be atheist because like we said there's thousands of gods in existence today they just don't believe in 3,999 of the other gods Mm. and not to try and force my sort of viewpoint upon people but to just try and question their viewpoint and be a bit more open-minded how they view if they're sort of a, a monotheistic you know, like my mum and dad still believe in Jehovah. Mm. How they view Muhammad the prophet is how I view Jehovah God. Mm. I just don't believe it. So when you talk about it like that, hopefully you can encourage people to be a bit more open-minded. It's not forced upon people. But yeah, I think everybody, religious or people of faith, have got it in them to have the atheist streak. They just go one God further. Mm. Yeah, that's that's uh, Ricky Gervais always always sort of uses that um, on his uh, when he talks about it, and it's absolutely right, isn't it? You know, everybody is atheistic towards all the gods they don't believe. 
Mm. Um, and so it's not it's not that difficult a position really it's something most people most people do yeah Mm. cool right well i think um we're we're probably all done now we're probably all tired Mm. and um, (laughs) we we need to uh we need to draw it to a close i found that really interesting um so thank you kate for um, suggesting that i think there's a lot more we we probably need to address so Mm -hmm. we may not have fulfilled your your criteria altogether um i think one of the things i would like to look up next time um because we've said it's not a western phenomena as such but you know west the west is very much based around uh the roman culture the greek culture and mm-hmm. of course you know what grew from that was the british empire and all the the, the european um countries that then conquered the rest of or many other parts of the world and so on so what about um other beliefs mm-hmm. like um or what about other cultures like you know african cultures and um asian cultures um is there any evidence of of non-belief or atheistic beliefs in those those cultures um because again a, a cursory look at that you think well you know in japan you've got shintoism in in asia you've got buddhism and so on and and uh, i mean buddhism is quite an interesting one because you could you could make an argument perhaps for saying that that in itself is is a a belief that doesn't actually have a a personal god um but maybe that's something for another for another discussion yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll... I, I just thought it'd be interesting, you know, I was obviously prior to the coming onto the podcast, there was a few things that I just wanted to yeah. sort of say. And I've said most of those, but one of those points that I wanted to highlight as well is I'm sure people are aware of it anyway, but I still think it's worth mentioning. Like you touched upon other cultures and how they view atheism. Yeah. There's still quite a few countries in the world today where atheists are executed in the yeah. 21st century. Yeah. I think that's quite interesting just to perhaps mm. end on. It's just like, you know, it's still, we still live in a society, mm. not necessarily Western society, but other societies and cultures where atheism can can mean life or death for some people. And I think that's quite shocking. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, uh, sometimes it's through mob violence. Sometimes it's through the state. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's a really important point and something that um, I know that, the humanist associations around the world try to bring to everybody's attention so yeah yeah that's a very good point yeah we're very lucky to live in a in a in a society where we can have this conversation we can put it out on a podcast um and while some people will disagree vehemently um that's that's absolutely fine um and yeah you can feel that you're able to do that so yeah that's that's a, a good place to be absolutely Good. Well, thank you very much, Jordan. Thanks for joining us tonight. And thanks, Celine. Pleasure um, was all mine. Thank you thank, very thank much. Thank you, Kate, for, me on for again. suggesting the uh, the subjects. Um, I hope we did it justice. Um, mm-hmm. None of us are, are experts in this area, um, but hopefully we've uh, we've done it justice. I'll put some links on the show notes. Um, if you've got any bits, Jordan, that you'd like me to put on there, and Celine, let me know, and I'll put some of the bits I was researching Hmm. Um, i mean if your patron as well has got any other questions that Mm. they want answered Mm. i'm happy to even perhaps come back on or just answer them directly and i can send the stuff across to you because i'm always fascinated Mm. to see people's questions they've got Mm. you know in terms of things like atheism so i'm happy to do some research for some people great i mean it's something that we probably should say more on the podcast is that you know we're, we're always 
up for uh, people asking us questions after the podcast um, and even, you know, disagreeing. That's absolutely fine. Uh, pointing out where we got things wrong. We have um, said on the podcast formally that we get stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even had a, a podcast called Being Wrong. So we think that's mm-hmm. quite important. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, sometimes we do get stuff wrong. Um, it, even the again. mighty Joe Rogan gets it wrong as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, good. Well, thank you very much. Um, see you next time. And uh, thanks for coming on. What should I think about? Thank you. Thank you. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. Thank you.